0: Welcome to Seek the Word Ministry podcast. Seek the Word Ministry began in 2013, devoted to scriptural authority, biblical teaching, and biblical theology. Today, we'll be hearing a teaching from Grace Community Christian Church on February 6, 2019. Our scripture will be Genesis 37. The teaching is titled, The Bible, More Than a Book on Morality. Oftentimes, when we read passages in the Bible, we take the easy way out in our understanding of the passage. Oftentimes, we minimalize the Bible to just a collection of moral stories. We think the Bible to be merely a a book on morality lessons. And so when we read passages at times, we are reading them with a, a bend of looking for the moral of the story. And if we cannot find the moral of the story, we create one. This approach to the scriptures has done a great disservice to the understanding of what the Bible actually is by both Christians and non-Christians alike. I remember a few years ago when Liz, my, my wife, we were, we were uh, serving in another church and the church was hosting a, a trip to, to go primitive camping up in northern Minnesota. And, and my wife decided to go, and, and I couldn't make the trip, uh, nor, nor was I desiring to make a trip to go primitive camping. But she invited one of uh, the young ladies who works for her uh, to go. And um, the young lady and her went, and I I remember Liz telling the story of while they were driving, they got on the subject of the Bible, and it was when Liz really, really um, understood um, just where this young lady was at uh, in her understanding. When the the young lady said she believed the Bible to be a, a book for people who needed help with morals, for people who didn't know how to live right, they needed the Bible, but, but people who knew how to live right, people who had morals, they obviously, they didn't need the Bible. That's was shocking to Liz, and at the time, I would say I, I probably was a little taken back by it, but as I spent time in the ministry and spent time talking with people and, and interacting with more people... I found this is a common belief in our culture, even in the Christian culture inside so many churches, filled with what can be described as best as nominal Christians, who only want some moral story to feel good, so they can on some level apply the moral point of the story to feel good about themselves. With that being said, often there's a moral point in a passage that we can extract, but if we merely stop there, we miss so much of the applicable principle. We miss the wisdom, the revealed character of God, and often we miss Christ in the passage. It's easy at times to see the moral point, but we have to dig to get the scriptural understanding. In the case of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, if we if we boil it down to a mere moral point as being obedient to God or so we will will not have trouble we're missing so much theologically and doctrinally and spiritually in those passages and this is the case when we come to Joseph in Genesis 37 from Genesis 37 to the end of the book in Genesis 50 we're taking throughout taking throughout the complex life of Joseph and most of us are well acquainted with the story of Joseph. He was the son of Jacob. He had 11 brothers. Jacob favored Joseph. Joseph's brothers turned on, on Joseph, sold him into slavery. He worked his way th- through and out of slavery to become second only to Pharaoh over Egypt. What an incredible moral story on obedience and faithfulness on the surface. But what if I were to say that, that it's not the lesson or the lessons in Joseph's story? As a a matter of fact, many people do not realize Joseph's story is a tragic one in reality. And then uh, of all his his brothers, Joseph would not even be the one whose lineage was important. Tonight I want to look at five points from the life of Joseph. So so turn with me, if you would, to Genesis 37. And I want to start in verse 1. Now Jacob lived in the land where his father had sojourned in the land of Canaan, These are the records of the generations of Jacob. Joseph was 17 years of age, was pasturing the flock with his brothers while he was still a youth, along with the sons of Bilhah, the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. And Joseph brought back a bad report about them to their father. Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his sons because he was the son of his old age and he made him a very colored tunic. His brothers saw that their father loved him more than than all his brothers, so they hated him and could not speak to him on friendly terms. Then Joseph had a dream, and when he told to his brothers they hated him even more, he said to them, Please listen to this dream which I have had. For behold, we were binding sheaves in the field, and lo, my sheaf rose up and also stood erect. And behold, your sheaves gathered around and bowed down to my sheaf. Then his brothers said to him, Are you actually going to reign over us? Are you really going to rule over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. Now he had still another dream and related it to his brothers and said, Lo, I have had still another dream. And behold, the sun and the moon and 11 stars were bowing down to me. He related it to his father and to his brothers, and his father rebuked him and said to him, What is this dream that you have had? Shall I and your mother and your brothers actually come to bow ourselves down before you to the ground? His brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the saying in mind. Now in verses 1 through 4 here, we see... Uh, we find out about Joseph, that he was 17 years old and he was, he was pasturing a flock of sheep with his brothers. And at some point his brothers were not doing what they were supposed to be doing. Maybe it was job related. Maybe it was, they were just acting a fool away from their father. We, we don't know. We also don't know if the bad report was given by Joseph on his own or if Jacob inquired of Joseph, maybe even sent him with the intent to maybe spy of uh, sorts on his brother's. Either way, we can understand how having someone telling on you to your parents can become annoying. Setting Joseph up to be hated by his siblings. So we see the dissension here right from the start. Verses 3 and 4, we see Israel, uh, Jacob loved Joseph more than all his sons. So here's a key point. Our first key point I I want us to, to see here that has plagued this this family for generations the issues with joseph are a result of bad parenting how important is how we parent our children the issues within the generations of this family should tell us and warn us when it all began abraham was promised by god a son with his wife sarah they were old and without children so they decided to not want for for god to fulfill wait for god they didn't wait for god to fulfill his promise so they hatched a plan That Abraham would sleep with their servant, Hagar, and conceive a child, which he did. And that child was named Ishmael. But Ishmael was not the promised one by God. God did not promise a child out of wedlock, nor by adultery. So Sarah eventually has a child, and they name him Isaac. Now, Hagar and Ishmael give Isaac a hard time. So Abraham sends Hagar and his son Ishmael away. He sends them out on their own, favoring Isaac. Now, flash forward to Isaac having children with Rebekah. They have two sons, Esau and Jacob. Isaac favored Esau, Rebekah favored Jacob, leading to deception, theft, and hardship. And here we see Jacob committing the same thing, favoring Joseph over the other children. The Bible puts very high emphasis on how we parent and care for our children. The mistakes or our outright disobedience we display in the practice of of parenting, will come back to haunt us. And we see this lived out over and over again. Here, at verses 5 through 11. Joseph has these dreams, which he shares with his family, which only exasperate the fraternal hostility here. The meanings of these dreams elevate the favored son above the other, others. Obviously, this would upset the, the other siblings. The brothers did not necessarily buy it. As, as anything more than dreams. So Jacob, on the other hand, especially with the second dream, which he which he, he rebuked, but verse 11 tells us he kept the saying in his mind. He dwelled on the dream's meaning. The brothers used the dreams to, to, to fuel their bitterness, but we get a sense that Jacob thought there could be more to these dreams. And another mistake often made when reading the story of Joseph laid out in scriptures is this point uh, of if you're obedient, it pays off. If you're obedient, then in the end, it will all work out for you. Those who teach this point to how Joseph was sold into slavery, was obedient and faithful, and look at how his life turned out, how he rose to a high position and used it to save his people. That view, one, it, it misses some key points, but, but mainly it stops short of the completion of Joseph's life. Verses 12 through 17 of our, of our text Then his brothers went to pasture their flock, their father's flock in Shechem. Israel said to Joseph, are not your brothers pasturing the flock in Shechem? Come and I will send you to them. And he said to him, I will go. Then he said to him, go now and see about the welfare of your brothers and the welfare of the flock and bring word back to me. So he sent him from the valley of Hebron and he came to Shechem. A man found him and behold, he was wandering in the field. And the man asked him, what are you looking for? He said, I'm looking for my brothers. Please tell me where they are pastoring the flock. Then the man said, they have moved from here, for I, ha- I heard them say, let us go to Dothan.'" So Joseph went after his brothers and found them at Dothan. The brothers did not necessarily, uh, or uh, Joseph, or sorry, is, is sent out by his father to check on his brothers. And Joseph was obedient. His father said he needed him to, to, to do something. Joseph stepped up and, and did it, no question asked. He travels to where his brothers were supposed to be. He arrives and they're not there. And he's informed that they've moved further. So instead of saying, hey, I, I did what I was supposed to do. I showed up where I was told to go. They're not here, so I'm, I'm, I guess I'm done. I'm going to go home. No, he continues to fulfill, to be obedient to what he was supposed to do. So he's going to be even more obedient. And he goes to where his brothers had moved to. So here is an often overlooked point. The more obedient Joseph was, the further from home he became, he got the further from his promised land. So to say his comfort zone, he became the more obedient obedience. He displayed in, in finding his brothers, the further from home he got. And for for those who see Joseph as this wonderful story with a great ending where it all worked out, guess what? If you follow Joseph to the end of his life, look at Genesis 50. Genesis 50, 22 through 26. And now Joseph stayed in Egypt, he and his father's household, and Joseph lived 110 years. Joseph saw the third generation of, of Ephraim's sons, also the sons of, of Machir, the son of Manasseh, that were born. Manasseh, sorry, were born on Joseph's knees. Joseph said to his brothers, I am about to die, but God will surely take care of you and bring you up from this land to the land which he promised an oath to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. Then Joseph made the sons of Israel swear, saying, God will surely take care of you, and you shall carry my bones up from here. So Joseph died at the age of 110 years, and he was embalmed and placed in a coffin in Egypt. Joseph never made it back home. He died, never making it back to his home. He remained in Egypt. Later, his bones would be carried back and buried there, but he never saw his home again while he was alive. You see, obedience does not always have a happy ending in this life. We're not obedient to our Heavenly Father because what we will achieve in this life. Because truth is obedience to God, faithfulness to Christ can come at a very high price. How dare we talk about the easy life and earthly rewards Christianity allots those who are obedient, while brothers and sisters in Christ around the world are ripped from their homes and misplaced and killed for their obedience to God. Obedience to God almost always comes with some form of discomfort at some level. Why? Because obedience to God is in direct contrast to our earthly, fleshly desires. back to our text going on with verse 18 when they saw him from a distance so so joseph is going to now where his brothers have moved to so when they saw him from a distance and before he came close to them they plotted against him to put him to death they said to one another here comes this dreamer Now then come and let us kill him and throw him into one of the pits and we will say a wild beast devoured him. Then let us see what will become of his dreams. But Reuben heard this and rescued him and out of their hands and said, let us not take his life. Reuben further said to them, shed no blood, throw him into this pit that is in the wilderness, but do not lay hands on him that he might rescue him out of their hands to restore him to his father. So it came about that Joseph reached his brothers, and they stripped Joseph of his tunic, the very colored tunic that was on him, and they took him and threw him into the pit. Now the pit was empty without any water in it. Then they sat down to eat a meal, and as they raised their eyes and looked, behold, a caravan of Ishmaelites was coming from Gilead, with their camels bearing aromatic gum, and balm, and myrrh, on their way to bring them down to Egypt. Judah said to his brothers, What profit is it for us to kill our brother and cover up his blood? Come and let us sell him to the Ishmaelites and not lay our hands on him, for he is our brother and our own flesh. And his brothers listened to him. Then some Midianite traders passed by, so they pulled up and lifted Joseph out of the pit and sold him to the Ishmaelites for twenty shekels of silver. Thus they brought Joseph into Egypt. Now, these passages help us see another often overlooked point in the life of Joseph. Here we see how sin does not only affect us, but our sin can have long-lasting effect and sins on others past us. And sins of the Father can come back to haunt future generations. Remember how we saw this line of men in this family being poor examples of parents picking favorites? Well, we spoke about Abraham, who was promised a child, the promised one with his wife Sarah, yet he took it upon him to themselves. They took it upon themselves to solve this problem, not trust in God's sovereignty, not wait on God's timing. Abraham committed willful adultery and had a child with a servant. That child was Ishmael. Well the Ishmaelites that Joseph is sold to are the descendants of that child who was cast out by Abraham. So here we have the great grandson of Abraham being sold to descendants of Abraham's child who he sent out. See how the the choices we make today can have long-lasting effects past ourselves? By the way, the effects of Abraham's uh, decision to not trust the sovereignty of God and to sin to make things happen on his own did not stop there. We're still feeling the effects of that sin in our world today. The Palestinians warring with Israel in the Middle East Even today is a direct result of this. The Palestinians hold that Ishmael, being the firstborn, is the promised son. The Israelites obviously hold that Isaac was the chosen one. All these thousands of years later, and still that sin is haunting the earth. Look at verse 29 through 36. Now Reuben returned to the pit, and behold, Joseph was not in the pit. So he tore his garments. He returned to his brothers and said, The boy is not there. As for me, where am I to go? So they took Joseph's tunic and slaughtered a male goat and dipped the tunic in the blood. And they sent the very colored tunic and brought it to their father and said, We found this. Please examine it to see whether it is your son's tunic or not. Then he examined it and said, It's my son's tunic. A wild beast has devoured him. Joseph has surely been torn to pieces. So Jacob tore his clothes and put sackcloth on his loins and mourned for his son many days. Then all his sons and all his daughters arose to comfort him, but he refused to be com- comforted. And he said, Surely I will go down to Sheol and mourning for my son. So his father wept for him. Meanwhile, the Midianites sold him in Egypt to Potiphar, Pharaoh's officer, the captain of the bodyguard. So Joseph, we see, ends up in Egypt in the house of Pharaoh's officer, Potiphar. His brothers soak his his coat in blood and take it home. It's pretty deceptive. I used to think that my siblings were deceptive when it came to me. I think when you have siblings, we all see that they can do deceptive things my my brother and sister who are eight to nine years older than than myself when i was four or five years old whenever the jehovah witnesses would come to the door my older brother and sister would take me in another room and they would say those are your real parents coming to take you back and of course i would i would be crying i would be distraught my mother would, would come in the room and, and and chase them away and be like, "Leave him alone, leave him alone." And she'd look at me and and she'd say, "Stop crying and help me pack your bag." No, she would she would care for me. I mean, I. But what they did was, I mean, that was deceptive on their part. But but these, this was this was a, a not only deceptive. I mean, they they sold their their brother into slavery. There was real dissension there in this family. There was a real bitterness they had for Joseph, spawned by just the the, the bad parenting choices of Jacob to, to play favorites. Now, we know how this will all play out, but here's another interesting point in all this. Just like Abraham chose to have his first son, Ishmael, but Isaac was the promised son. Just like Isaac favored Esau, but Jacob would be the son where the promise of a Savior would come. Jacob favored Joseph from Genesis 37 through 50. The focus of the story is on Joseph, but Joseph is not the son of Jacob with whom the promise of the coming Messiah would continue. Judah was the one chosen for that. Jesus came from the line of Joseph's brother, Judah, showing that God's way is nowhere near our way. What we would favor is not the path that God favors to use. We favor things and people based on a very skewered human view. God favors things as they are and uses what he favors to bring about his will. Now, with all this being said, there is one final point in the story of Joseph that we need to see. And that's where is Christ in all of this? This can be difficult to see Christ in some of the Old Testament accounts. Now, we never want to force anything to make a point, but we should see Christ in Old Testament accounts. Because everything in the Old Testament is pointing us to the cross. Joseph was sent by his father to go where his children were, and Joseph was obedient to his father. Jesus was sent by his father to go where God's people, his children, were, and Jesus was obedient, leaving his glory to come to earth. Joseph went to his people, his brothers, sent by his father, and when he arrived, his people, his brothers rejected him, they had enmity towards him. Jesus went to his people. And he was rejected by them, the very ones he came for. Joseph would go on to forgive his brothers, ascend to power, and was responsible for their physical salvation during the famine. Jesus would forgive those who rejected him, ascending to the right hand of God, going through all of what he did for the spiritual salvation of his people. Just as Joseph's brothers despised and rejected Joseph, we as sinners in our natural state despised Christ and rejected him. Yet he came to suffer, die, and conquer death on our behalf. Listen, morals cannot save us. Living right cannot save us. It is only God's grace poured out through the work on on the cross by Christ Jesus, which saves us. You see, this this story is not a moral story to teach us some moral principle for life. The story of Joseph is exactly what all scripture is. It is a direct path pointing us to the work of Christ in our redemption. The Bible is not merely a book of morals. It is the God-breathed word. And it is the redemptive story of a fallen people redeemed and reconciled to a righteous and holy God by our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let's pray.